0: Good morning, Maple Grove. Good morning. All right. Hey Paul writes the following in First Thessalonians chapter five: "Give thanks in all circumstances." Someone say in all circumstances. all circumstances, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus." And he writes in Colossians 3 verse 17, "Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him." And then the psalmist writes in Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Shouting is good. <laughs> Shouting is biblical. And I'm loud and I like to shout. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read Psalm 100. I'm going to have you guys stand. And then when I'm done, we're going to shout to the Lord, all right? If you all would stand and listen to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Psalmist writes, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Okay, it's time to shout. Yeah, come on! Come on, they were shouting louder in Michigan yesterday when they beat Ohio State. They were shouting louder in Alabama, weren't they? In Tennessee and in Georgia, they were shouting in Athens, right? When they beat Georgia—I'm sorry— I got friends who are Georgia, I'm not even going to say it now. I got friends, Georgia Tech and Georgia fans, but some people were shouting and some people were pouting, but I'm not going to say who. All right, hey, would you pray with me? God, we love you. You can be seated. God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence. I hope that we entered with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, I hope that the songs we sang to you, Lord, were just pleasing to you and and put a smile on your face. God, be with us today as we lean into your word. I pray each of us encounter you in a unique and powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just a few days ago, millions of people across our nation celebrated Thanksgiving. They boarded planes, they piled into minivans, flew across the country, and drove along the highways. You know those very fun road trips that people go on with their kids? are we there yet? Are we there yet? She's touching me. She's touching me. Stop looking at me. Uh, when I was a dad, I, when that went on, I would turn my hand, my daughter's in the front row to testify, you know, and I was pinching somebody. I didn't know who was getting it, but someone was going to get it, right? i would be reaching back. I was a pinching king back in the day, right? And, and And they gathered in homes and in apartments, condos and restaurants. They sat in tables and in living rooms with family, with friends. They ate and laughed and ate and shared and ate and celebrated. And maybe even watched some football. Some great games with the Sunday night was kind of sad, but it was still a good game. Uh, Patriots. Tough. 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 (laughs) Heavenly Father, be with. No. (laughs) Uh, Now, Thanksgiving was first celebrated in our country when the Fallen Proclamation was made by William Bradford in 1623, three years after the pilgrims settled at Plymouth. Here's what he wrote. To all ye pilgrims, and as much as the Great Father is giving us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and as much as he has spared us from pestilence and disease... And has granted us freedom to worship Him according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and ye little ones, do gather at ye meeting place on ye hill. Yeah, they like to say ye. Someone say ye. 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 Gather on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November, ye 29th of the year of our Lord, 1,623. In the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye Plymouth Rock, there to listen to ye pastor. I like that part. Hey, turn to the person right left and say, listen to ye pastor. <laughs> listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for all his blessings, end quote. Yeah, for 399 years, Americans have celebrated Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving is not a concept born in America, but it was born in the hearts of God's people and we see this from Genesis to Revelation, God's people giving him thanks. Uh, I'm calling this morning's conversation, Reasons to Praise. And, and listen, one of the keys to having a reason to praise and for being thankful, as Paul said, in all circumstances, is to have a proper perspective. A young girl wrote the following letter to her mom and dad from college. Their mom and dad, sorry, haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it in my left leg when I jumped for the second floor of my dormitory when we had the fire. We were lucky. A recently paroled drug addict uh, saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in hospital for a few days. Paul, the paroled drug dealer, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved into his trailer with Paul. He's been so nice. I must admit that I am pregnant. And Paul and I plan to get married as soon as he's off parole and his divorce is final. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine. And we'll write more when I get a chance. Love, your daughter, Emily. P.S. None of the above is true. (laughs) But I did get a D in sociology. And I flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. You could flunk everything, right? Flunk it all, right? Awesome. Way to go, Emily. All right, I'm going to read a passage from Luke chapter 17 that will serve as a launch pad for our conversation this morning. But first, a very quick sidebar. Um, for the month of November, we've been collecting a Thanksgiving offering. Our, our goal is $12,470, and this is helped make up for the deficit we had throughout the year. And I want to encourage you, right now we're sitting at 4550 and that's with about five families contributing. And here's what I know. I don't think any one of us can write a check for $12,000, right? But all of us can give something, right? A dollar, two dollars. You know, one of the things I like to sign my emails with is together we can, right? Together we can. Together we can, we can resource God's church. Together we can serve God's church. So be in prayer about it. You can text online. You, you, text online. You can give online and, and uh, write a check, drop in money. But this is something if we all do this together, you know, we're going to achieve our goal. I, I have total confidence in that. All right? And the sidebar. That was fun, right? Everybody likes that kind of stuff. Okay, Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, now this would be his last trip to Jerusalem, and he was heading there to be arrested, to be beaten and nailed to a cross. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village, there ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I think it was about six years or so ago when Laurie and I had the privilege of leading a team to go to the DR and there we actually went to a leper colony. And and so I, I saw men and women who had pieces of their their ear off and their nose off and limbs off and wrapped up in these cloths and they were the sweetest and kindest people and we actually got to sing some songs to them and I had the opportunity you know to share a message to them And, and what I talked about is heaven right and how in heaven God will make all things new and we look forward to that day with them and I'll tell you we sang the song he makes beautiful things to them and looking at these lepers, knowing that God is going to be able to make a beautiful thing out of their life in the future was absolutely powerful. But sir, here's these 10 lepers and they stood at a distance because no one wanted to get close to them. Crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, see, shouting is biblical, praise God. Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And here's how I want to attack our conversation today. I want to to look at three statements, missing in glory, reasons, the praise, and the 35-day challenge missing in glory didn't I heal 10 men where are the other nine and when I read those words this week what jumped out at me is that ingratitude is both common and it is ugly common right only only one of 10 came back to thank Jesus and be honest I'm not sure the percentage would be that much better today ingratitude is common and it's ugly Question, would you consider it an insult or a compliment if after church today, someone walked up to you and said, you know what, you are the most ungrateful person I've ever met. Would you consider that an insult or a compliment? I think we know the answer. And I personally think that us in the good old US of A have many reasons to be thankful. We live in a first world country with first world problems. However, we're honest I think many of us would have to admit that we at times suffer from the leprosy of ingratitude. And we're not nearly grateful enough for the prosperity and freedom that we have in this country. I want to show you a couple images. Here's one image. Anybody have an idea what this is? It's called, in our country, we celebrate something called Black Friday. It's when people go crazy. That's my TV, that's my TV, right? Grabbing, wanting things that they maybe don't even need. Here's another picture of people grabbing. Uh, this is from a Syrian refugee camp. They're not grabbing from their for the third TV or a good deal on an iPhone. They're grabbing because if someone does not give them food, they will starve. Here's another picture. Many people participate in this. Best Buy Black Friday, waiting in line. It's such a long line. I can't believe had to wait so long to get this deal. My feet are hurting. Here's another line in the Syrian refugee people waiting in line for food. You see, perspective is so very important in order for you and I to be thankful for all that we have. Amen? There are basically four attitudes that get in the way of our thankfulness, of our gratitude. One is the attitude of entitlement. Entitlement. I deserve this. (laughs) They owe this to me. And here's the deal, when our sense of entitlement is high, our thankfulness is low. On the other hand, when our thankfulness is high, our sense of entitlement is low. See, thanksgiving begins when our sense of entitlement ends. You see, thanksgiving reinterprets the situations in our lives, beginning with the baseline acknowledgement that we do not deserve any of what we've been given. I mean, it's all a product of God's grace. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God. It's all from God. Even the mental abilities that allow you to understand what I just said. Listen, when we start with this frame of reference that we do not deserve and are not entitled to anything that we've been given, it's hard for ingratitude to get a foothold in our life. Another attitude that gets in the way of our thankfulness is pride. Pride is the attitude that says, Nobody ever gave me anything. I worked hard for everything I had. For years I've worked hard, and now it's finally paid, paying off. And with this kind of attitude, we feel that we have no one to thank but ourselves. I couldn't have made it without me, right? That's the, I couldn't have made it without me. A third attitude is a critical and complaining spirit. Ever seen one? Ever have one? So refreshing, so encouraging, isn't it? You say instead of being thankful, this person will always see something to complain about. They're very good at finding the cloud in every rainbow. The Old Testament, we read about the Israelites wandering in the desert, grumbling, complaining because they had no food. And so God miraculously provides manna, crust like bread, every day for 40 years. Before too long, they start complaining and grumbling because it was the same thing every day. I mean, they had a miracle straight from God. But it no longer satisfies them, and you can only grumble and complain. I'm not sure we're all that different. I think if Americans were at the feeding of the 5,000, we would have complained that we didn't have honey butter for our bread, lemon for our fish, and wet naps to clean up afterwards. Again, fueled by a lack of perspective. Have you ever complained about having too many clothes to wash? about having a sink full of dishes to clean, or having so much leftover food that it takes an engineering degree just to put it into your second refrigerator in the garage. You ever complain about your kid's bathroom always being in a mess? Your house being and taking so long to clean? Your cars, cars, too long to wash? How crazy and ungrateful to complain about these things. Because what those things mean is that we have food to eat. We have a house to live in. We have clothes to wear. We have cars to drive. And we have children in our lives when so many wish they did but don't. A fourth attitude that keeps us from being grateful is carelessness. We take too much for granted. Question, if the stars only came out one night a year, would you go out and look at them? I know I would. You know, when I was uh, on a submarine, after we spent about 60 days underwater, I remember one time we surfaced somewhere out in the Atlantic, and these grown men stood in line for an hour and a half just waiting for our turn to climb up the hatch and look at the sky. And it was worth every bit of it. I'm like, come on, dude, you've been up there too long. Let me see the sky. We take so much for granted. If you don't believe this true, <clears throat> turn off your hot water for this week. Turn off your heat for the winter. Uh, unplug your washing machine and dryer and put them in garbage bags and try to find a laundromat you can watch them for the next month. Disconnect your internet. Leave your car in the driveway and walk everywhere for a week. Tie a blindfold around your eyes for an entire day. You Go to a country for a month that where Christians are persecuted for doing what we're doing right now. So many things we take for granted. And what if this week was the last week that you will ever have to spend with your spouse, your kids, your parents, your friends, your brothers or sisters? I mean, is there anybody in your life right now that you are taking for granted? If you have your cell phone, I want to encourage you to pull out your cell phone. You're allowed to do that right now. Some of you are playing games right now. You have to log out of your game, you know, or that TikTok video you're watching, right? All right. You know, but pull out your phone. If there's someone in your life somewhere that you're taking for granted, just text them and let them know. And if they happen to be in this room, I'm going to give you time to do that. I can't remember where I put my phone. (laughs) It's somewhere. Uh, I can't do it. Maybe it's somewhere. I don't even know where it is. But anyhow, hey, I got mine. Go ahead, take take a minute. I'm serious. Get your phone, text somebody. Technology. They'll get this text from you, and it's going to mean a lot to them. Let's see. Oh, sorry. Uh, My phone number is... You're texting somebody in your life that you're taking for granted to let them know, hey, you know what? I want you to know that I appreciate you and I'm grateful that you're in my life. Nothing major. (laughs) I pandered for that, didn't I? Whoever sent it, I know is genuine. He's a good man. Awesome. Mine just went to Fort Worth, Texas. Isn't technology awesome? Seriously, it makes a difference, right? I mean, some of you, see, gratitude not expressed is just the same as ingratitude, right? If you let them know, they're not going to know. Awesome. Good job. Ingratitude's common and ugly, and giving thanks brings glory to God. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned? To give glory to God, except this foreigner. Psalm sixty-nine thirty says, "I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving." Understand when we are, when we as God's children, consistently live lives of gratitude in everything, we will bring honor and glory to God's name. Question, who do you think brings more honor and glory to God's name? The person who's always thankful, even though they go through hard times, or the person who always finds a reason to whine and complain about everything? Like, which person brings God more glory? Which person brings God more honor and praise? I mean, let's become a people overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness, and so doing, we will bring glory to God. Amen? Okay, two of you got it. Now let's talk about reasons of praise. And if we were to list all the reasons we had to be thankful and praise God for this morning, we'd be here all day. And I'm willing to stay with you, all right? Uh, I I put on Facebook this, I think it was Friday or yesterday, hey, what are some reasons you're thankful to God for? Some people wrote they're thankful for his strength, his forgiveness, his word, for his church, for his unfailing love. They're thankful for their health, their family, their friends, their work, a place to live, their life group, sobriety, salvation. Well, here, here are seven of the top things that I am thankful for to God. I'm thankful for the mercy and grace that God shows me. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. What is grace? Grace is getting the opposite of what we deserve. Check out what Paul writes to the church in Colossae. You used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you his enemies and you did evil things. But his son became a human and died, so God has made peace with you. And now he lets you stand in his presence as people who are holy, faultless, and innocent. Later in that same book, Paul writes, when you were dead in your sins, God made you lie with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual ruler's authorities. He shamed them publicly by victory over them on the cross. Question, are you thankful that God doesn't give you what you deserve and instead gives you what you need? A savior, salvation, forgiveness, grace, and freedom? Listen, if our heart doesn't explode with gratitude when we think about God's mercy and grace, then we have forgotten how bad off we were before we met Jesus. So let me remind us. We were dead, objects of God's wrath. We were His enemies with no hope. We had a mountain of debt that we could never pay. We were lost and hopeless, headed to a Christless eternity, and there's nothing we could do about it. Our debt was too big; we could never pay it. But then mercy and grace came riding in on a donkey, and later hanging on a cross. And now God lets us stand in his presence as people who are holy, faultless, and innocent. Amen? Man, I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for the relationship that God wants to have with me. You see, Jesus did not come and die just so my sins could be forgiven and I could go to heaven, as awesome as that is. But he did that so that I can have a relationship with him so that I could be his son, and so we could be his sons and daughters. I mean, are you thankful that the God who breathed out stars and stretched out the galaxy like a canopy, the God who moves mountains and slays giants and parts seas, who always is and always will be, who's holy and just and good and great and powerful, that he wants to have a personal relationship with you, that he likes you. Other people may not like you, but guess what? God likes you. And God likes being with you. God wants to hang out with you. wants to walk with you. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. I'm so thankful that God wants a relationship with me. Our God is not some distant deity, detached and far off, but he's an up close and personal father. And I am so grateful for that. Amen? So grateful. I'm also grateful and thankful for the purpose that God gives me. You know, a lot of people in our world live without purpose. They they don't know why they're here. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. I I used to live that way. Not anymore. You see, I I know that God has a purpose and a plan for my life. Paul talked about that in Colossians chapter 1. Yeah, after Paul talked about who Jesus is, that he is the image of the visible God, that he is over all things, before all things, and he holds all things together, after talking about what Jesus did, that he shed his blood, died on the cross to make peace with God and to present all men holy and faultless in his sight, Paul says this, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that God is giving us, we want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I think for the most part, many of us undersell the mind-blowing opportunity we've been given. An opportunity to partner with God in the most significant, important, vital, and meaningful work on the planet. Helping people get right with God. Saving them from a crisis eternity. Redirecting their forever. And not only that, to bring them into a relationship with God, where God will help them become the people that he always intended for them to be. We get to bring people to God and then watch God do his God thing in their lives. I'm so thankful for the purpose I have. No matter what job you have, what kind of education you have, that is your ultimate purpose, to bring people to God and build them up in God. I'm thankful for the grace God shows me, the relationship I can have with him, for the purpose God gives me, and the future he has planned for me. Check out what John says about our future in Revelation. And listen, if you read Revelation as a Jesus follower and you're scared, you're reading it wrong, okay? Just telling you. If you read Revelation as a Jesus follower, you're scared, you're reading it wrong. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, you should be scared, right? Right? But if you're a Jesus follower, you should not be scared because it's about His victory that becomes our victory, and about His home that becomes our home. He he, he writes this right here, like this is true and it's going to happen. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And seas in that time were what separated people. No more separation. Listen, all the things that separate people in our day, Republican and Democrat, liberal and conservative, patriot fans and other people, right? (laughs) (laughs) Will no longer separate us in heaven. I mean, are you tired of division? I hate it. So much division, people poking, one more division. In heaven, there's no more division. Then I saw New Jerusalem, that holy city coming down from God in heaven. It was like a bride dressed in her wedding gown and ready to meet her husband. I heard a loud voice shout from the throne. God's home is now with his people. He will live with them, and they'll be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. He will wipe all tears from their eyes, and there'll be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. There'll be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. The things of the past are gone forever. Forever. I understand anything that has ever depressed you, discouraged you, defeated you, brought you pain, sorrow or heartache, one day will be no more. Thank you, God, Thank you, Jesus, that day is coming. Then the one sitting on the throne said, "I'm making everything new. Write this down. My words are true and can be trusted. Brothers and sisters, we are headed home. And Dorothy was right, right? There's no place like home. I tried to find me some ruby slippers to wear up here, right, and click them together, right? He's right, there's no place like home. That's where we're going. We'll see his face. Fifth, I'm thankful for the changes that God is making in me. Now, I'm so thankful that in December of 1979, when I surrendered to Christ, And was baptized into his name that God, because of his great love for me, accepted me just as I was. And I wasn't so good. But I'm also thankful that because of his great love for me, that God did not leave me the way he found me. Yeah, yeah, I'm grateful that I'm not the person I used to be. But I'm also grateful that I'm not yet the person that I'll become because God is still working on me. I remember back in the early 80s, I was stationed in Charleston. We went to a church called Somerville Christian Church. And I only heard this one time. I still can see her singing this day. There's a little girl about seven or eight years old in church sang this song. And at the time, the most southern accent I ever heard. And here's what she sang. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. Turn to the person you're right, left, and say, he's still working on me. And then tell him, I'm so glad he's still working on you. <laughs> so glad. All right. I'm going to be dropping that this week. On Spotify. <laughs> According to legend, an awestruck admirer looked at Michelangelo's. Hey, side note. Did anybody ever in their life, I'm, I'm not very educated, right? Ever think it was Michelangelo and not Michelangelo? I did. I thought his first name was Mike and his last name was Angelo, right? But it's not. Some of you are like, no way. Know what I found out yesterday? This is cool. Not <laughs> I'm at Chick-fil-A with, we went to, with my family. It's, they couldn't believe I didn't know this. We went, up to, we went to Chick-fil-A to, and we stopped to go see the uh, Air and Space Museum. And we're, we're you know, they have ketchup. Hey, Walter, they have ketchup. And, and you, you, sometimes that twist-off thing, it's really hard for me. And I found out. All of a sudden, my granddaughter, Kana, goes, oh, I want to dip it. And I watched my son-in-law open it up. <laughs> I didn't know you could peel that open. Am I the only one? Only one? Anybody else? Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. i like, this is so cool. I don't have to struggle. Like, okay, give me a knife. I feel really weak right now. I can't twist this thing off. Anyhow. Huh? I didn't even notice. I know it says it on it. I did. I, I, what can I say? Hey, those who know me are not surprised. <laughs> well, anyhow this guy looked at his statue of David and he was like, how in the world did you do that? And what he said was, David was always in the marble. I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. In December of 1979, God saved me. And then the master artist began chipping away everything That wasn't the me he intended for me to be. Molding me, shaping me, changing me, making me different day by day. And praise the Lord, he's not through with me yet. See, I was always in the marble and you are always in the marble. Don't give up, right? He's not done with you yet, amen? I'm thankful for the grace and mercy God has shown me the relationship God wants to have with me, the purpose that he gives me, the future he has planned for me, the changes he's making in me. And the last two are going to come at you quick, but I just got to mention them. I'm thankful for the peace that God gives me. And it's pretty good to have this peace when we live in a world that's full of trouble, where the winds blow and the waters rise. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... With thanksgiving, thankful that we can approach God. Thank you that we can give our cares and concerns to the God that can handle it. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How about you? I think a lot of us have experienced that. Where you were in the storm. It was hard and difficult. And yet you had this peace that made no sense. You see, God wants to be the I in life's storm, Right? And he gives us a peace that just transcends all understanding. And I'm so thankful that I can have peace in a world of chaos because of my God. Amen? I'm thankful for his church that I can be a part of. A church that was born in Acts chapter 2 when people heard the gospel, they were baptized and they became devoted to God and to each other. They ate together. They shared lives together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. For 42 plus years his church has been my home. It's been my family. This church has been my favorite place for the last 42 years. Okay, final point in your notes. But let me review that. Dramatic pause, did it work? Yeah. That's to draw you all in. <laughs> I lost some of you. Come back, come back. All right, sorry. Reasons to praise, the mercy and grace that God shows us, the personal relationship he wants to have with us, the purpose that he gives us, the future he has planned for us, the changes he's making in us, the peace that he gives us, the church we can be a part of. And the last thing is the 35-day challenge. In Luke 17, verse 19, Jesus says something kind of interesting To the guy who came back to thank him, the one guy, he said, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, the guy had already been healed. What's interesting is that the Greek word used in verse 19 is different than the Greek word used in verse 17 when he went away and was healed. The word used in 19 is a word that means to save. It means true wellness. It means complete wholeness. And here's what I think is going on. This guy was already healed physically of his leprosy but he was made whole and complete, made well when he returned and he gave thanks. Giving thanks made him whole all the way. Listen, many psychological studies have been done to tell us the same thing. That sincere gratitude, that thanksgiving is the healthiest of all human emotions. That it produces more positive emotional energy than almost any other attitude in life. But how do we become a more thankful person? It takes practice. The best way to practice Thanksgiving is to actually write things down that we are thankful for on a regular basis. That's what the 35-day challenge is about. There's 35 days left in this year. We did something like this a few years back, but I think we need to do it again. I know I do because it's so easy for us to allow the leprosy of ingratitude to take over our lives. Understand, research indicates that people who actually record things they're thankful for had higher levels of alertness, enthusiasm, optimism, attentiveness, and energy. And that they're more motivated, more likable, more others oriented, more forgiving, more generous, more helpful, more likely to volunteer, more likely to give back, and much more positive about life. What city, what community, what family, what church, what person doesn't need that? Amen? It's a powerful weapon against the enemy and against the darkness because thanksgiving amplifies goodness so we can hear the voice of God. It, thanksgiving shines the light of God so that we can see the face of God in the midst of darkness. Thanksgiving is thanking God in advance for what we can only make sense of in reverse. Thanksgiving is a key weapon that brings freedom and victory And a connection to limitless joy in all circumstances. Listen, being joyful is not what makes us thankful. Being thankful is what makes us joyful. Being joyful is not what makes us thankful. Rather, being thankful is what makes us joyful. Have you ever met anyone who was always thankful who was not joyful? I haven't either. I haven't been either. There's an obvious connection. As I said, it's a weapon against the darkness. We see this in Jesus. In the very night, he's staring evil in the face. What do we find Jesus doing? We find Jesus giving thanks. Matthew 26. While they're eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body then he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you now the original language the greek word for thanks is eucharisteo where we get our english word eucharist and the root word of that greek word is the word grace And see, when Jesus saw his broken body and when he saw his shed blood, he saw that it represented grace. And if Jesus can give thanks in this, then we can give thanks in anything. If Jesus chose gratitude as a foundational weapon to destroy evil, push back darkness, and advance God's good, can you think of a better weapon? And that's what the 35-day challenge is about. I actually made some sheets, and I didn't bring one up here. It's right here. See it? Right here? They're at each kiosk. And, and, and it's, I, I use cardstock for y'all. That's how much I love you guys, right? I, I didn't just give you loosely paper. It's some 100-grade cardstock. And it has 35 it has each day to the end of the year. And you just write every day something that you're thankful for. Okay? And see, try it. See what happens. Now, some of you aren't going to do it. But those who do, I'm just, but well, that's my encouragement. Was that encouraging? <laughs> but I guess of encouragement. encouraging. I've seen that's not. Okay. You're all going to do it. I still believe in you. I know you're all going to do this. Alright. Hey, we all eat a lot, right? Okay. A little grace and mercy here. <laughs> no, but seriously, you know, when I do this, it makes a difference. And I, I struggle doing it, though. And Who do you think wants me to struggle writing these things down, right? The enemy. I mean, when I'm all down how terrible life is and how my life is so terrible, I wish I would die. You know, if I can read 35 things that I'm thankful for, it's like, wait a second. Life's not as bad as I think it is. I, I just have my focus in the wrong place. And so I have these sheets that you can take home, encourage you to do that, starting today, things that you're thankful for, right? And they can be simple things. Cream-colored ponies and crisp apples, strudels. Doorbells and sleigh bells and snitchels with noodles. Wild geese that fly with the moon on their wings. These are a few of my favorite things. Girls in white dresses with loose sashes. Snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes. Silver-white winters that melt into the springs. These are a few of my favorite things. When the dog bites, when the stay when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my reasons to praise, and then I don't feel <laughs> so bad. <clears throat> He's still working on me <laughs> to help me sing as I should sing. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm having too much fun today. No, you never have too much fun in church. Seriously, do it. It'll make a difference. And If you do it, let me know how it goes and say, wow, you know, it really made a difference. I'm not as negative as I've been. I'm seeing things more positive than I've seen them before. I just want to give you a closing illustration, then I really will be done. A missionary doctor was serving in India for a lot of years, and in the area that I was in, there was a progressive blindness that hit people. You know, they were born with sight, and then they began to lose their sight. Well, this missionary doctor developed a procedure where, where he was able to stop and arrest that progressive blindness. And so people would come to him, have that operation, and they would be cured, knowing that they would have gone blind, but because of this missionary doctor, they would see And the missionary doctor said they they never said thank you. And the reason they never said thank you because that word was not in their dialect. Instead, they had another, another word that they used of him, a word that meant I will tell your name. I'll tell your name. I will let people know what you have done for me. That's what we need to do for our God, right? Our God has been good to us. Our God has blessed us. Our God is there for us. Our God's preparing a new home for us. Our God has changed our life, and we need to tell his name. Let people know how good and great and awesome our God is. Some people don't know it. A lot of people don't know it. A lot of people don't understand how God would put on flesh and die on the cross to save us, but that is actually what he did for us. And so let's be a people that live our lives by the things we do and say, that we tell his name, how great and amazing he is. Amen. Okay, we're going we're gonna to sing our closing song. And off at our kiosk, you'll see where you have our communion. You can pick up your communion if you haven't already. And we also have our offering there. You'll see these blue buckets as well. That's our compassion bucket. Uh, those buckets have collected money over the years that have bought refrigerators and paid rent and utilities for people in our community. And uh, we collect it. Every few bucks you can drop in there, it goes straight to our community to make a difference in the lives of people. And uh, if you guys would stand, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, we humbly come into your presence. God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you that we're alive. Thank you that we're healthy enough to get up, get dressed, get in our car. Thank you for the car. (laughs) Thank you for the roof of our head, for food on our back, for For clothes on our back, rather, and food in our pantry, Lord. Thank you for our family and friends. Thank you for this church, Lord. God, I pray that right now, Lord, we will just realize that we have so many reasons to be thankful for. And God, that you're the one alone that we should praise. In Jesus' name, amen.